Good morning, church. Good to be here today to praise God and to study from His Word. Uh, let's start out with prayer. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to uh, apply your word, Lord, to learn about the folks that you've, you've put in history so that we could be encouraged to use your word and to uh, rightly use it in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would guide us now as we uh, learn from it and that you would uh, give us the courage to apply it later. It's in Jesus' name, amen. First question, are you a Berean? Are you a Berean? Arlene says, I have no idea. What is a Berean? Well, uh, first off, uh, let me tell you what an actual Berean is. Berea is actually a place. And so I have a map here. I'm going to show you where Berea is. And it's little bitty, but uh, if we could get a mouse cursor to circle the little bitty town of Berea right there. So that is Berea. It's in um, today, modern day, upper uh, northern Greece. So there is Berea, and Paul and Silas are traveling through on their mission trips. They're bringing the the message of God and and Jesus' death and resurrection, and they take it now to Berea. Uh, Currently, the name of this little town is uh, Vaoria. That's what it's called today. So if you look up Berea, it won't be on the map, but Vaoria will be. But if you were from Berea, you are a physical Berean. But that's not my question today. Are you a Berean, not natively, but are you a Berean in the way they acted? And we'll learn about the way they acted because these are some cool folks And they have a lot that we could learn from them. Paul and Silas, as I mentioned, they're traveling on their mission. And they come to this town and they encounter a different kind of Jew than they are used to. Uh, They were both refreshed, uh, must have been refreshed and encouraged by the Jewish folks that they met there, the Bereans. Our text says that these Bereans were noble-minded. So turn in your Bibles, if you'd like, or read on the screen, Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 12. Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 12. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue, and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek men and women. So what we can get from this text, I think overall, is that the Bereans listened eagerly, not naively. They listened eagerly, but not naively. Now the lesson we learn from them, we can actually apply. We apply it every day. In situations like the news, when you hear something on the news, uh, we can listen 
maybe eagerly, because it would be nice to shut out the rest of the world, right? I, for one, would love to live in a teepee or a cabin on the mountain and not ever hear what goes on with the rest of the world. It would be so much less stress, so much, uh, so much better for your feelings. But we really can't live that way. We really got to know at least a little bit about what's going on. And so when we listen to these things, don't do it naively. Uh, maybe it's something other than the news. Maybe it's your friends. Uh, your friends tell you a lot of things. Uh, you hear, you know, you tell your friends a lot of things. They tell you things. Um, we need to listen to them eagerly. And sometimes I, I, I'm, you know, I want to not listen to certain people. I just, you know. But every wise person that I know is very good at listening. Do you know this to be true? They're so good at listening to what you have to say and what others have, even if, it's, even if it's kind of nonsense. They listen, and then they deal with what was said after they listened. Uh, listen eagerly, not naively. Um, from, from teachers, uh, school's about to go back into session. <clears throat> and so uh, our teachers, our children will be going to school and hearing things from the teachers and it's a good idea <clears throat> to do like the Bereans did and measure it up to what is said in the scriptures. Uh, that, so the reason I was late today is I was, I was preaching at the community church. Uh, Pastor Steve was not, he was on vacation, and Pastor Steve is going to be the new um, science teacher at Crest, and I'm so excited about that because he's going to be a good, uh, good teacher. They're going to get a good... Uh, um, biblical worldview, uh, but not all of our teachers, and I don't know Crest, but not, not all of the teachers in the school system uh, are, a, are teaching from that kind of a view. We need to have uh, something that our kids can measure up with what they are being taught. That something is the Word of God. The Bereans used the Word of God. They measured it up with what Paul and Silas were teaching. Our first point today is fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Philippians uh, chapter 4, verses 8 through 9 tells us this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Keep putting into practice the things you've learned. Fix your thoughts. Here's the deal, folks. You've heard this before. Ignorance is no excuse. Right? You've you've heard this. The Bereans, the Jewish folk that that came in contact with Paul and Silas, uh, they were not ignorant. You know, it, it was probably easy and convenient for them to go to the scripture, <clears throat> the, the Torah that they would have had, the uh, first five books of our Bible, to go to it, or they, they had it memorized, 
easy for them to go to it and test what was being said to them by Paul and Silas because they took the scriptures seriously in the first place. They had been in the habit of studying it. If we are not studying scripture and being in the habit of using our Bibles, it's going to be hard to not be ignorant. When you read something on Facebook, don't just agree with it. Right? When you uh, read something that sounds good, don't be like, yes, that's good, when you don't measure it up with Scripture. Or, or if something sounds off a little bit, don't be quick to jump in there and uh, bash the person and say that's wrong when you haven't measured it up with Scripture probably social media needs a good solid Bereans to be a part of it. Folks that are measuring up with what is said because I think that there's a lot of fire spread by social media. I don't know about it. But I think that that causes a lot of problems that folks like the Bereans could probably uh, come up against Sometimes a person needs that straight. And I don't mean that uh, you need to call them out and set them straight with a, a, a stiff hand. Uh, the first time, we should be a loving, right? We should, we should always be loving. And so here's what I think we need. We need a, a, a way to remember how to do this. Uh, it, we can either say, Amen or Amen. Like, here I am, I'm speaking to you about, about things that are good hope, and I'm speaking to you about the Word of God. But if I say something, and you have been studying the Scripture like the Bereans have, and you say, hmm, that doesn't match up with Scripture, you can say, oh man, that's not quite working with the Scripture. And you say, oh man, I've got to set the brother straight. And you've got to talk to me about it. And if you talk to me about it, uh, I'm going to accept the rebuke. And, and, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell, I'll apologize, and I'll, I'll set it straight. And we, we hope that this is the way folks act. So, oh, man, uh, that's not correct. I, I better do something about it. Or, oh, man, that, that's not good to listen to. But if it does match up with Scripture, what you're hearing, you can say amen. You know, support them. Uh, support the folks that are getting it right because they're using Scripture. And so uh, the Bereans, they hear Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas are speaking about crazy things. Like the Savior came and he died on the cross and then he rose again, right? And so the other Jewish folks uh, that they had been to in other towns typically were like, what? That's blasphemy. That's ridiculous. And so they stone Paul and Silas and they run them out of town and they knew the Old Testament scripture, or at least I think they should have known it. They were Jewish, so they would have learned it. And Paul and Silas probably said, this aligns with your Old Testament scripture, but they weren't, weren't getting it completely. The Bereans, they see it. They say, hey, that matches up. Amen. And they were excited about what Paul and Silas had to say. 
Amen. So there are another kind, there's another kind of a person. We have those folks that accidentally, oh, maybe not accidentally, they, but they say something that is not correct and we need to call them out, uh, you know, tell them Scripture says this, and then they get corrected. And they're the, the others, the false teachers. These are a different category. False teachers. Jesus teaches about them in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 17. Jesus says, Beware of the false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. You can pick, or can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. So we get these uh, things that we hear from uh, uh, society or the community or the news or our friends or our family, and sometimes they sound good, but they're not true. You know, I th- we were clearing the uh, the new church site, and um, th- this past week, and there are some of the the uh, plants that obviously you can see have been affected uh, or have been um, affected by sin. Right, for every inch of vine. There's like a million little spikes coming out of them. So you know not to touch those. Stay away from those unless you have gloves or or, or a hatchet or something. And so you stay away from them. And there are others, like poison ivy, that they don't really look so bad. I mean, most of us know that poison ivy has three leaves. And so you were taught from a young age, you've learned, and probably not from experience, it's something you've learned from your parents, um, don't touch poison ivy and this is what it looks like. But if you hadn't been taught that, if you didn't have something to compare reality with, then you would think that's a good looking plant. Nice big old green leaves. Uh, sometimes it even has those, those little red berries on it. And boy, if, if I was a kid, thank goodness my mom and dad got to me before I thought about it, but I would be, I'd have been eating them berries at least once. I don't know I don't know how you itch the inside of your innards, but it would have been a bad deal, a, a no good. So some things that we hear uh, sound good, but when we accept it and take it as the truth, it's not. False teachers are out there. Do you know that is a, this is a statistic that I got? I don't have... I should have written down the the uh, percentages, but a majority of adults don't know who preached the Sermon on the Mount nowadays. That was Jesus, by the way. Uh, majority of people don't know who preached that. Uh, most adults don't know the town that Jesus was born in. I, you don't even have to know Scripture to know that. I mean, it's, that's in Christmas songs. You probably hear Christmas songs every, you know, about Bethlehem. But most people don't know where Jesus was born. And, you know, we have to teach folks this, and it has to be out there. But, but for us, ignorance is no excuse. 
we cannot use being ignorant as an excuse not to uh, correctly use God's word and apply it to what we are hearing. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 through 4 says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires, and they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Let me read to you a few of the high points, or we could say the low points of that scripture. These people, they will follow their own desires, and they will listen to whatever their itching ears want to hear, and they intentionally chase after these myths. Not only are they being ignorant of the word, but they are being apathetic. They're apathetic. They're intentionally ignorant because they don't care. They only want to hear what tickles their ears. Now, this can kind of worm its way into our lives. Let me give a a situation. Those of you who like yourself some football on Sunday afternoons, right? Uh, Or or basketball or, or anybody who loves sports, right? So that can become a big part of your life. And you want to hear about sport. You want to know what the next team is doing, who the best player is. And you want to play it and you get excited about it. And pretty soon... It becomes to be more important than other things in life like learning God's word. Now, I don't have a problem with sports, but I do have a problem with other things like uh, old-fashioned firearms, right? So that's probably my weakness. I'll sit down at breakfast time and I'll make my bowl of cereal, and I know approximately how many minutes it takes for me to eat my cereal, and I have, I have my Bible and devotion stuff over here and my uh, book of 1873 uh, cult peacemakers over here. And I say, I'll spend the first two minutes looking at, uh, looking at some fine firearms. And the rest of my serial time, I'll do my devotion. Before long, uh, my serial's gone and my time is gone. My minutes are up and I haven't, started my devotion uh, and then I start thinking about firearms and then I come across a fella and then he's starting to tell me about his life and what's going on in it and maybe the struggles he's had and I'm thinking I wonder I wonder if a cowboy would have carried his 1876 lever action on the right side or the left side of his horse oh it's taken over So we let these kind of things creep in, and then if we let it get out of hand, if we let that get too far, we become apathetic. It starts to be like, first we like it, and we do it because we enjoy it. We think about it because we enjoy it, and then uh, pretty soon other things that are more important start to take a back seat, and we start thinking about that thing. 
uh, all the time. And at first we feel guilty about it. I feel guilty that I didn't do my devotion at breakfast. Uh, and after a while, I just don't seem to really care because I've gotten by without doing my devotion for a while. And evidently, there's some sort of redemption in the old style of shotguns and, and I can just continue and, and it's a bad deal. Don't trip yourself up like that. We cannot become apathetic. We must watch our thoughts. Watch your thoughts because they become words. Now there, there's, a, there's a quote. I, I've got it up here actually. Watch your thoughts because uh, for they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character. Watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. Now, this is a good quote. I don't know who uh, did this quote, but let's change destiny. Destiny is not a, a word that I really like or am uncomfortable with. Uh, destiny is kind of speaks of... Um, something that was uh, predetermined. So it doesn't really fit with this because, uh, you know, if you you have to watch one thing because it'll cause another thing and it'll cause another thing, then evidently it wasn't predetermined. So let's just substitute destiny in with, like, life or future. So thoughts become words. Words, actions. Actions, habits. Habits, character character a life in the future this is how it goes we cannot uh, get sidetracked so much that we no longer care about what God says don't become apathetic it leads down a bad path the Bereans it was natural for them to measure new ideas, to uh, measure new info with what they had already been fixed upon. They were, they were not scared or intimidated by these new ideas because they knew how to measure the ideas. Like the other Jewish folk in other towns that Paul and Silas go to, uh, perhaps they were scared. Paul and Silas come up and, and they said, oh no, that is blasphemy, and they didn't want to listen to it. And rather than correctly measure what Paul was preaching, they decided to throw him out or stone him or something like that. And so uh, the Bereans, they weren't scared of it because they knew, they knew what the truth was and they had a base of truth. Man, who loves the story of David and Goliath? Uh, what a story that is. And so we think of this little guy, David, and uh, how courageous was he when there was the whole army of Israel and they were scared of Goliath. Goliath was taunting them and uh, defying the armies of God. And up walks David and we think, boy, David, uh, he was a little guy, but he must have had some serious muscle from fighting them lions. He must have had some good aim. He could smack that, uh, uh, that Goliath right in the forehead. And he must have had some courage. Uh, yes, yes, but... But where did that courage come from in David? What drove him, enabled him to walk up there and take on 
the giant that nobody else would take on. And I think it probably has a lot to do with what David had learned as a small child or as a younger fella. Because typically, uh, the Jewish folks, they learned, even at an early age, they learned the Torah. They learned the Old Testament scriptures. And when David was learning, he probably learned, like one of the main things that they would learn was the Shema. The Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it starts out, Love the Lord your God. God first. Love him. Don't go against him. In uh, Exodus chapter 23, verse 20, another text that would have been available to David by way of hearing and being taught, uh, God talks about uh, sending an angel with his name, the angel of the Lord, and he says, do not defy him. So here little David is. Maybe David wasn't that little, but he's not nearly as big as the other soldiers. And there's Goliath over there. And Goliath literally says, this text says, I come to defy the armies of the living God. That's what Goliath says. I come to defy armies of the living God. David pulls out his measuring stick, right? He probably didn't have a measuring stick. He didn't even probably have the words. He had it up here. So he pulls out his scripture in his mind and says, hmm, God says to love him, to honor him. God says not to defy him. And here this giant is coming saying, I come to defy. And David probably looks around and says, what are you guys doing? He is coming against God. There's no way that we can lose. I'm going. I'm going to take on Goliath. Because he knows what the truth is and he has measured it up with what Goliath is saying. No way you can lose. Of course, he walks right up there and takes care of the giant. He shuts the giant up. Giant no longer speaks slander, no longer defies the living God because David was bold enough to know the truth and to know that Goliath was on the wrong side and that God was on his side. It gave him courage. So when Paul and Silas, they come to the Bereans, the Bereans, for some reason, they got it. The the, uh, message that Paul and Silas were teaching about salvation through Jesus, they measured it up with the Old Testament and it fit. Like I said, how... uh, encouraging and refreshing must have this been for for Paul to think that's what we've told them all and you know and yeah that's right it does fit it fits exactly it's perfect fit and so they accepted it Uh, they were eager to hear the message and they weren't naive because they knew the text we need to be eager to learn the word of God. The first way to listen eagerly and not naively is to fix your thoughts on God and his word. Fix your thoughts. Number two is to ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom. James chapter 1, 
verses 5 through 8. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. Blown and tossed by the wind. The Bereans were... Uh, our text says open-minded. Open-minded. Uh, other, other versions say noble-minded. Now, when we think of open-minded, nowadays we often think, okay, that's a person that will listen to and believe uh, whatever he, he hears. Um, and if that's, what, if that's our translation of open-minded, it, it, it's not really correct pertaining to this scripture. The original Greek word, which, which doesn't really matter, but I'll explain to you what it means in this case, is more like noble-minded. Uh, the original word was uh, like well-born, uh, like having a background, a lineage of people who studied the scripture, who made wise decisions, and who had obviously uh, measured it up with everything that they heard. And so these Bereans were like that. It's like that from the very beginning, from as young as they were, and generations before, they were taught, taught to do this, and they were disciplined to do this, to measure the word of God, or to use the word of God to measure. And so they were taught this. And this is what the Bereans were like. They were so wise. It was as if it had come from a long time ago, and that they were used to doing it noble-minded. Everyone would like, I would like to be noble-minded. It, it would be great if, uh, w- when I croak, if my tombstone uh, said, this man was noble-minded. Uh, I think that that would be uh, everyone's wish. You, you don't want to be one of those people that this text in James says that are uh, just, you know, changing attitudes or changing your allegiance every time the wind changes direction, uh, blown and tossed by the wind back and forth. Those folks are kind of hard to work with. You never know what they're going to do. You never know uh, if they're with you or against you. Um, you. You don't know how to handle them. They aren't very productive on a team uh, you know, we don't want to be like those. We want to be noble-minded. This is how we don't be naive. We ask for wisdom and study the scriptures. Fix our thoughts. When we're asking for wisdom, God is generous. And he will give it to you. Take advantage of that. Number three, cling to the truth. The third thing that we can learn from the Bereans is to correctly cling to the truth. Uh, let me read 1 Timothy 
chapter 1, verses 4, it says, Don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculations which don't help people live a life of faith in God. Meaningless speculations. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 <clears throat> says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual power, the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. <laughs> Love the words in there. Uh, empty philosophies. Uh, high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking. Uh, what's that? High-sounding nonsense. Do we ever hear that? I think we hear that a lot. I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, there's just nonsense, but high-sounding, like people in leadership roles that sometimes govern uh, the people, and they have these ideas, and they say them from a high place, and it sounds good, right? And so people are likely maybe to pick the berry off the poison ivy bush and eat it because it's high-sounding, but it's nonsense, But how do we know if it's nonsense? We measure it up to the word of God. That's the way we can know if it's nonsense or not. The nonsense that comes to us, that doesn't measure up the word of God, comes from human thinking. The text in Colossians says, This is from spiritual powers of this world. What is that? That is the devil. This is Satan, and that's where it comes from. Not from Jesus Christ, but from the devil. And he will do what it takes, whatever he thinks it takes to get you to listen to not the truth, to the false teachers. You do what he thinks he has to do. High-sounding nonsense, empty philosophies, human thinking, uh, meaningless speculations. We can't get sucked into these meaningless arguments, though. Don't get sucked into them. Our text in Acts, Acts chapter uh, 17 again, Verse 11. So the people of Berea were more open-minded or noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after, after what? Day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. Day after day they were applying it. They were clinging to the truth and and when you learn the truth, uh, John chapter 8, verse 31 says, uh, the truth, cling to the truth, because the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Why would we not cling to something that gives us life and freedom? The truth. Man, we can take the truth with us. 
We, we have the truth in word form. You can uh, take it with you every day to use it, to measure things up with. You can uh, put it in your house to where you study it and be disciplined so that you're putting it in your mind. That's probably the best way to know it in your mind um, so that you have that kind of a, a, a place to pull it from. My, uh, Flint, my, my boy Flint, he's, he's always got a Hot Wheels car. Uh, actually, correction, he's always got three or four or five Hot Wheels cars. Uh, how many ever that his one hand will hold? Sometimes he's got two in the other one. So wherever he goes, he's got a handful of cars. Um, you can uh, do his laundry, and in the washing machine and in the dryer, there's always a car in there because there was cars in these pockets. And so you have the random car. And sometimes I'll be mowing along, and I'll find a pile of, of, of stuff like boards and nails and a hammer and something, you know, who's leaving junk in the middle of the yard to have to mow around and then I see a little car right there I think okay it was Flint he left his calling card he's always got cars uh taken around and sometimes I asked him to help me um with a trailer and and to, to hook up to the trailer and so he's he's over there uh trying to screw the jack up with one arm and he can't barely get it because he's not quite strong because he's got cars in the other hand and he won't put them down and like flint and so he tries to use the other hand and he's he's dropping cars and sometimes he gets you know when he's doing something and cars go flying there's just always cars going everywhere when you got flint around um he keeps these cars with him and we should be so full of Scripture, so full of God's Word, that we can't do much without letting some of it slip out, without letting some of it uh, get away from us. Whatever we're doing, we're so full, we just can't do it without Scripture coming out. Whether you're happy, Scripture should come out. Whether you're sad, Scripture should come out because we're so full of it. Uh, Angry, scared. Uh, On Friday, I nearly cut my dad's arm off the chainsaw. It was was a scary deal. Like, he's okay, uh, but there was a log up in the back of the dump truck and I was cutting it with a chainsaw and uh, he was holding it and everything was ju- just happened just right or just wrong um, that uh, the log fell and my chainsaw fell and, and I knew better. I shouldn't have been. I, I, I knew better. I, I learned my lesson. Never, lo- never use chainsaw again. Probably not that because that's the only heat I have. But everything happened where this chainsaw came and just barely skimmed across his right across that vein there and removed the meat off the top of that huge vein so where you could see the raw vein there still intact. That was scary. It just makes you sick inside <clears throat> to think about that. Well, the reason I tell you this is the first thing that came to my mind, I have two things. Praise God who gives us blessings. I don't know why I thought that, but <clears throat> what a blessing it is that... Uh, that I didn't, that chainsaw didn't go a little closer to uh, dad's arm. Praise God. And another scripture just came off the top of my head, and, <clears throat> and then I don't know why at first. <clears throat> Jeremiah 29. Who likes Jeremiah 29? This is the chapter that talks all that I have plans. God says, I have plans for you, and they are for you to prosper. 
I know the plans that I have for you. And I, I, that God had plans for my dad to, to raise his grandchildren with two arms, I guess. Uh, so praise him for that. Uh, when we get scared, if we've fold our, filled ourselves up completely with the scripture, scripture will come out and it'll help out. Uh, when we have filled ourselves up with scripture and we hear something that sounds ridiculous, uh, scripture will come out and we can measure it. When we hear something that sounds good, but <clears throat> maybe it's not, scripture comes out because we're full of it. And then we can rightly, uh, rightly apply the scripture and know what is true and what is not. So here's what we ultimately want. Of, of all the things that we learn from the Bereans and all the, the, the neat stuff that they obviously uh, did when Paul and Silas came there, uh, verse 12 of our chapter in, in Acts says, As a result, many Jews believed as did many of the prominent Greek men and women. Many Jews believed. As Paul came to the Bereans. Paul and Silas came delivering the good news. These Bereans weren't late in figuring all this out. Uh, they had been doing their homework before the new word even came to them, and they listened eagerly, not naively, and they applied it. And then, then folks started believing, started accepting the salvation in Jesus. You know what that means? That means the more people are getting eternal life in heaven, and less people are going to hell. So fix your thoughts on God and His Word. Ask God for wisdom in how to use that Word and cling to the truth. Cling to God and His Word. My invitation for you today is to soak up so much scripture that it becomes part of you and to know the truth that God wants all folks to know his name and his salvation. I invite you to uh, use it against everything that comes your way. Listen, if something comes your way, uh, words from the media, from friends, from family members, put it to the test. Measure it with the word of God. You can't go wrong in doing that. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for the, the message that you give us through the Bereans, Lord, for uh, their uh, eagerness to hear, but their uh, ability to apply the scripture and to know what is true and not as true. Lord, help us to be like the Bereans, Lord, we want to be like the Bereans. Being able to use your tool, your tool, God, the Bible is so potent. Lord, any tool that can give life and freedom is powerful. 
And we want to use that powerful tool to make life better for us and for others and most importantly, to get eternal life. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.